0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, Time to welcome in Kef, Kef Chardello. He joins us. He's a beat writer for the uh, Texas State football team. He writes for the Austin American Statesman, covers Texas State. He joins us now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprinter come together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Kef, good morning.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And hey, you
0: know why we're playing George Strait, don't you?
1: Oh, I of course. Texas State <laughs> alum. I should say Southwest <laughs> Texas State
0: alum. <laughs> Which right. is now Texas State. Yes. Jeff, we need to paint uh, a paint picture here for people because we always talk about football crazy Texas is. The local schools here have all recruited Texas kids. Uh, Utah's done it. BYU's done it. Utah State's done it. Uh, but to kind of paint a picture to let them know how competitive is and how much schools are parked next to each other. If I have my geography right, Austin and San Antonio are about an hour apart by freeway, right? About an hour drive. Correct. University of Texas is in Austin, and now... Obviously, uh, UTSA, who BYU just played, <clears throat> is in San Antonio. And now the area in between is kind of filling in. It's just kind of a Western sprawl thing. You see it all the time. And San Marcos sits about halfway between Austin and San Antonio. And now you got Texas State there. you got three college football teams, or as the Longhorn fans would say, two in the shadow of the real college football team, but parked within oh. an hour of each other. Is that, is that true?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know they call that the I thirty five corridor because it's the highway that separates or that, that goes along all all down that way is IH thirty five. Even the rivalry between Texas State and UTSA is called the the I thirty five Showdown. So, yeah, they're they're all right down the road. And, I mean, you kind of said it. It's Texas is up there casting a shadow on some of the other ones because there's even Incarnate Word down in San Antonio and they're kind of up and coming. And, in the FCS ranks. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of colleges here. I mean, there's 12 FBS colleges in the state of Texas alone.
0: Are so there, the camp- are, are there players and fans for all those teams? Uh I mean,
1: it's, it's, it gets kind of, it, it depends on if they're winning really. I mean, of course, for the big, do- the big dogs like Texas, Texas A&M, uh, um, TCU Baylor, they're always going to have their fans. But with some of the smaller guys, Texas State, UTSA, if they're winning, the fans show up. If not, it's usually about you know seven, 8,000 at a game. We know that uh, Texas State has made, well, they've already made the transition, obviously, from what they were to the D1. and They used to have a rivalry with Nichols State, and now are they trying to develop something on that I-35 with San Antonio? Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they used to be in the Southland Conference together. And they've, they've battled it out in other sports besides football for going back to the 70s. But UTSA um, incepted their football team 2011, I believe it was. So they, they're real, real new in the football scene. And they've played four times since UTSA has, has started playing football. And starting in 2023, they're going to play eight straight series going to 2030. So they're it's something that they're they're really trying to promote. But honestly, UTSA has Texas State's number four-nothing on that series. So, I mean, not, not too much of a rivalry as far as uh, wins and losses are concerned.
0: Yeah, well, Utah fans are sitting in the cars right now saying, yeah, you think four in a row is something, you ought to try nine in a row. But that's another story, and we don't need to get into that right now with you. <laughs> yeah. So... I think we're curious about Texas State here. Obviously, a 1-5 record is not good, but I see a 7-point loss to open the season to SMU. I see a 3-point loss to UTSA and a 3-point loss at Boston College. And so I'm thinking if they had pulled a, something out earlier, would it be a real different vibe around the team right now? Are these guys getting beaten down at this point? Because they look close and competitive, but they just couldn't get over the hump in multiple games.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I, I think if they could have squeezed out some of those wins, that overtime loss to UTSA was a pretty big one. Then that one to Boston College was was real close. I mean, Texas State led or tied that entire game up until the last three seconds. Boston College hit a field goal to win it. I, you know, I, I feel like once once that loss happened in Boston, that's when the wheels started to really come off the, the last couple games. And you know, they're they're one of six teams that have played. Six games this season There's, it's 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 kind of um they've they've been beaten down by depth though especially at the defensive back uh, in the db section of the of the defense they are real thin there i mean they lost three guys last week one of them will be back because he, he left because of targeting but they had two injuries in starting corner cordell rogers and then his backup Roderick hawkley came in and then dislocated his hand so he's out for the season so they've had a lot of depth issues beat up. They're D-line, too. It's really a lot of the injuries are on defense. Um, and it's, it's a young, it's a new team, and I really think some of those, if they would have been able to get some of those early wins, would have instilled some confidence going forward for the rest of the season, especially because now, starting with BYU, going to the rest of the year, this is the toughest part of Texas State schedule. I mean, they've got Louisiana, who was just ranked before they lost last week, Coming up after BYU and, and you know Arkansas State, Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State, um, it's uh, it's 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 not going to be easy for the Bobcats, and it, it's it's going to be tough for it not to snowball, kind of avalanche on them. And I mean, it's it starts with facing number 12 BYU this week. I mean, that's a pretty daunting task for the Bobcats. Definitely the toughest opponent they're going to face this year. Looks like just looking at their statistics. Uh quarterbacks uh, completing a fair amount of passes in the 60 percentiles but it doesn't look like they're having much success getting the ball downfield that much do you expect them to take shots or be more short passing games yeah you know it's it's they've been they've been kind of more mid-range passing is what they've been doing especially with mcbride i think while they're kind of acclimating him with the offense you know it's his first season back after two years off so they're not—they're not really. They, they have the receivers to go deep, um, and they can go deep, but they really—they haven't been doing it the past few games. And I don't know if that's a depth issue or what's going on with that. But it's been a lot of intermediate passes. You know, the, the leading pass catcher last week was Jackson Random, tight end. Um, he, got, he had five catches and a touchdown, and they were all pretty much intermediate passes. Um, but they have guys like Marcel Barbie, Jeremiah Haydell, who can definitely go up and get it deep. So they have that ability, and, and um, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's really going to depend on if they can get the run game going, which is going to be pretty tough against this defense. Um, that that will definitely, if they can kind of catch the defense on their heels a little bit by, by establishing the run. They've got three running backs that they use. They start Brock Sturges. They bring Calvin Hill and Jamel Jeter off the bench. Sturgis is kind of every down back. Calvin Hill is your speedster, and Jeter is the the battering ram. So they kind of have – they use those. And and Jeter kind of came in late. Oklahoma State transfer, he had to get his waiver, so he's only been – this will be his fourth game. Um, But it looked like in practice they're really starting to use him more after not using him a bunch the past three games. So if they can establish that, I think that will open up the the deep game for them because that's when they've had success with the deep balls when, when the running game's going.
0: So back up to McBride there. After two years off, what is his backstory?
1: Yeah, so McBride, he, he's out of Capel High School. It's here in Texas, and he it's kind of in the DFW area. about three hours away from San Marcos. And he uh, was recruited by Texas State, but he chose Memphis, went up there, and then uh, I'm sure you've heard of Brady White, the quarterback there. He got beat out um, by Brady White. And so last August, August 2019, he transferred to Texas State, put in a hardship waiver to play last year, but it didn't go through. And so he spent his freshman year, I say two years off, but I got he threw something like four passes at Memphis. He came in, came in late in the game. Um, so he didn't play much his freshman year at Memphis. And then last year, he had to wait a year to play. And then so he was, he was eligible in the fall camp this year. And now that this is a guy, McBride is a guy who was recruited to come here by Jake Spavadol. And the incumbent starter is Tyler Vitt, who was recruited by the previous staff. And so that's, that's kind of why you've, you've seen McBride get more of a shot than Vitt, I feel, because that, that is the guy, you know, they brought him in from Memphis, and Spavidol recruited him, so he kind of wants to play him more. He adds a, a little more um, dynamicism to him, kind of run around and get out of the pocket throw the ball more than Vitt, although, you know, Vitt's, Vitt's a pretty good leader, and his stats speak for himself. I mean, he had six touchdowns and a handful of yards in his two starts, so, um, but yeah, McBride's their guy that's either starting this week, you know, it's, it's, they brought him in, so I think they're going to play him, and, and you know, he hasn't thrown, he hasn't turned the ball over too much, but you can definitely tell he's, he's a little rusty after being off for a while, Um and so it'll it'll still taking him some time to get acclimated, but but he's um yeah he can he doesn't really he's not it's in too many deep balls from him. That's why I was saying those intermediate passes like we were talking about before. I think that's just while they get him adjusted, they're kind of doing that. But you know they they definitely have the deep ball uh, weapons for the deep ball, so it could happen too. So is he entrenched, or could we see both guys? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's entrenched. There was they did they talked about doing both guys two weeks ago, and they put in Vit for a series. And it was a three and out, and they didn't see him again except uh, a couple run plays. And then last week it was all McBride. And every week leading into the game, Spavodol wouldn't name the starter or anything like that. And then yesterday at his press conference, I'm sorry, on Tuesday at his press conference, he named McBride the starter, I mean, early in the week. So I'm pretty sure they're going to go with McBride. I mean, if it's, I will say, if it gets pretty lopsided, maybe they'll start um, unloading the bench, trying to get some guys experience, maybe maybe throw Tyler Vitt out there and see what he can do a little bit. But I mean, they're 30-point they're underdogs in this game. So it's uh, it's. I could definitely see that happening, that both would play. But if it's a successful game, playing both wouldn't be in the game plan,
0: Bill no. Kev Chardell will join us, Texas State beat reporter for the Austin American Statesman. So one thing with uh, BYU playing more Texas teams this year, and we've kind of delved into it, is a lot of the schools, even if they don't have the big-time history and name and pedigree, there are enough athletes in Texas, and there are players who can't play somewhere, who transfer somewhere, that there can be a couple of difference makers that you haven't heard of, a couple of excellent athletes who, even if you don't know who they are, they can make plays. Who are those guys on this roster on either side of the ball? Oh,
1: right off the bat, I would say Sharid Jamari Shereed. Um, he's number one, plays in the slot. You know, they go back and forth starting him, but I bet they'll start him this game in the slot. Just, just, they'll go back between him and, and uh, Drew Jackson is another guy. Um, but in that slot position, gosh, he is a speedster. He gets the, sp- the ball in space, and and he just goes. He's kind of smaller, you know, maybe about 5'8", five, 5'7", five, but he he really can't. I mean, on kickoff return, you'll definitely see him. He, he returns the kicks for the Bobcats, and uh, he hasn't busted one yet. I can tell he's going to get close eventually because every time he gets the ball, he, he catches it at the, the end zone and takes it out to 30, 35 at least. So he's definitely a speedster if they put the ball in his hands. Um, you know, I, I guess because it's it, you probably haven't heard too much of Texas State. There's Jeremiah Haydell and Marcel Barbie are two receivers who uh, multiple times each have made SportsCenter top ten for some of their catches early in the year. Um, so they've got some some two really talented receivers that can that can shock you. You know, Texas State has plenty of skill position players, running back and receiver. They're a little thin at tight end, um, but th- this they have an issue. It's, it's kind of it hasn't been terrible play at quarterback, but it's really trying to figure out who is the quarterback there and kind of some issues on the offensive line is the problem with with the Texas State offense. But they definitely have plenty of skill players. I mean, I could go on. I mean, there's Drew Jackson too. He just speaks to himself. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of those guys on the Bobcats offense, but. Offensive line issues and beat-up DBs and d line has really done them in, though. And I think that'll be the case this weekend as well. My wife's favorite
0: baseball player is Paul Goldschmidt. How about that?
1: Hey, we love Paul Goldschmidt. That's actually uh, when I was a student reporter at Texas State was when he was playing. So that was fun. We would watch him hit the ball into the parking lot all the time. (laughs) <laughs> great guy too he's always the best the the best interview. Always very polite and and cordial and everything and so great he's the only texas state baseball jersey retired
0: no reason yeah. no reason to be uptight if you just hit the ball in the parking lot
1: yeah right exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course he's in a good mood ready to talk to you
1: of course yeah right who would avoid the media after that i
0: mean yeah Well, Kev, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for the time to kind of fill us in a little bit on Texas State and what we might see when they play BYU this week. We appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.